0: The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. You're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts. As always, we're going to do our reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite. And we are going to be reviewing Backlash, uh, the WWE pay-per-view that uh, just happened. So we have a lot to talk about, but the first uh, couple bits of information I want to cover are uh, themes and entrances in the WWE. Apollo Crews got a new updated theme. Um, It's okay. I like the old one a little bit better, Uh, but this one has words. It'll probably grow on me. Um, But uh, that's something new. And uh, Braun Strowman's new train entrance video to start his entrance is new as well, the Strowman Express. So a couple of new production uh, type of formatting uh, for, uh, some superstars who, uh, are, uh, champions in WWE. Um, something that I noticed, um, and this is a thought after NXT TakeOver in your house, was that Charlotte Flair is the first woman to main event everything she's been on. She's main evented WWE pay-per-views, she's main evented WrestleMania, she's main evented NXT now, because I think, uh, she never main evented NXT. The first women's main event in NXT was Bailey and Sasha Banks. Um, Charlotte uh, can finally uh, put that stat in her uh, uh, in her uh, I don't know suitcase. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But uh, you know she's the first uh, woman to main event everything she's been on Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Um, And it really goes to show you that Flair, um, Charlotte, is uh, the biggest woman star that uh, there's ever been. And we're really watching her develop and grow and uh, continue to rise in stardom. And speaking of uh, another uh, superstar, another female wrestler who's rising in stardom, that is Chris Statlander. This is unfortunate news, though. Apparently, uh Chris Statlander confirmed on Twitter, um she has an ACL tear and so she will be out for quite some time. Um she's got to have surgery and then we'll have to rehab all of that. So that's kind of a bummer cuz Statlander was just starting to really build a name for herself on national television on AEW Dynamite. Uh I really enjoyed her character work with the alien stuff. Um, And her in-ring work, it's pretty unique. Um, And this is coming off of a a podcast interview she just did on AEW Restricted. So um, it's kind of just a bummer, you know, you get to know her a little bit more through that podcast and then it turns out uh, she's injured and uh, we won't be seeing her that much on uh, AEW Dynamite. But who knows, maybe we will be. We, We see Britt Baker every single week. So maybe there's a way AEW can uh, get Statlander on on television and keep her star building. Um, But for now, uh, that'll do it for this introduction, and we'll move on to the Drew count. We'll switch it up. Usually we go to the What Drew Money segment, but uh, we'll do the Drew count because there's not as much... uh, negative to talk about and we'll get the negative out of the way because i'm more of a positive type of person so let's move on to these moments that uh are a little off in the week of wrestling or moments to complain about is uh in the drew count segment and away we go with the rest of the show it's actually pretty good catch line maybe i should start using that all right here's the drew count has he got the fingers locked? No, he got I can't believe that Nobody's ever kicked out of that! Since we're switching the podcast format up a little bit this week with the Drew Count being our first segment, let's start with AEW Dynamite, because usually we don't start with AEW. Um, moments to complain about in uh, AEW this week. Uh, first off, starting with the four-man announce move that was... Um, uh, about for the first hour, um, they, the, uh, they brought out Chris Jericho to, um, add on to Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Excalibur's commentary, and they were stepping all over each other at certain points. Jericho's funny on commentary, but I think it'd be better if somebody, uh, moved off of, of the commentary booth and they just did, um, uh, three of them. Um, at the max, um, because this wasn't just like a guest spot of commentary where like somebody's coming in to comment, commentate on a match and then is has gone. Jericho was there for half of the show. Um, so it was just a little, a little much and, uh, Jericho's energy is great, but sometimes it's over the top. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of, uh, traffic that's going on, uh, audio wise. Um, the the other thing that I really didn't like for Dynamite, um, well, not necessarily didn't like, but uh, to complain about is Matt Hardy changing his character doesn't really work as well without the costume changes. He came out, did a promo on the stage, and then would just switch into a different character, but wearing the same clothes that he was. So that was a little weird. Um, I've liked all the stuff that Matt Hardy has been doing with the character changes because he's been switching costumes and they've been, uh, producing it so that he can do that. Um, but with this live changing character, um, it just didn't, it didn't work. Maybe had he, uh, I don't know, like I think back to, um, a Breezango match with the Usos at a pay-per-view for WWE where, uh, Breeze came out. He was like a, a janitor and then in the middle of the match, he switched into like a, a old granny, um, and then he I think he had another costume change, maybe he didn't. But then it was just him, um, and it went from this like comedic type of match to a very serious like, oh, Brazongo could win this match, and that was very well done the way they did that, um, that you know outfit change. Um, so I think Matt Hardy needs to stick to the costume changes to uh, make the character uh, switches back and forth, um, a little bit more entertaining. My biggest issue with Dynamite this week was the formatting. There was three tag matches in a row to start the show in the first hour and then three singles matches to end the show, um, in the second hour. Um, and this is just something that, uh, needs to be a little tweaking where it's just like you're seeing too much of the same thing. Um, so had they spread it out, like, uh, had, one tag match, then a singles match, then a tag match, then a singles match, then a tag match, and a singles match, I think it would have worked a little bit better um, because it's just a little bit fresher. um, When you're seeing the same exact thing for an hour and then it switches, um, and then it's the same exact thing in that hour, it's not as uh, captivating to watch because you're like, I already saw this. Um, You know, it doesn't... uh, affect the show as much when it's just like all singles matches necessarily, but because there was six, six matches and three of them were tags and three of them were singles, they could have spread it out a little bit more. So just something formatting-wise, writing-wise. Really all my complaints about AEW this week are uh, formatting type of issues, um, and that's gonna happen with AEW. They're still in their first year of television. So they got to work out the kinks, and those are things that I noticed. Um, Moving on to Raw, uh, I was a little uh, confused on uh, why there was a triple threat women's tag match when there's also one on the pay-per-view on Backlash. Um, And this one was uh, formatted a little bit differently. Um... There were just two teams in the ring, and um, I can't remember what the uh, tag match was. I believe it was the Iconics, and it was uh, Billy, not not yeah, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, um, Bailey and Sasha Banks, and then it was Asuka and Charlotte Flair in this match, and uh, it was only two people in the match, and it was a triple threat match, which was a little weird. Um, because I thought it would be um, three people in the ring for the triple threat match, which is what they ended up doing on the pay-per-view, but we'll get to that when we talk about backlash. Um, I thought it was weird in this segment that uh, the team not in the pay-per-view match won the match. Um, So, Charlotte Flair and Asuka won the match, um, which was um, just a little bizarre, um, because (laughs) they're the only team that's not a legitimate tag team. Uh, that haven't been working as a team. Um, And them winning the match to me makes the pay-per-view match at Backlash look a little bit less legitimate. Um, They still could have had Flair and Asuka lose um, and have that same confrontation that they did at the end of the match um, lead to the singles match that they would have later on in the show. So it was just just kind of weird um don't know why it was like that and more on that note of multi-person matches and segments every single segment in this in this show in this raw had uh more than two people so even if it was a singles match there was more than uh two people just with the uh time focused on them um And so the example of this was, you know, a lot of uh, the tag teams were on the show. um, And I thought it was a little weird that um, non-established tag teams were winning matches. So I just mentioned Flair and Asuka won the triple threat match, um, won the triple threat tag match. But then there was the uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP match versus the Viking Raiders at the end of the match. Viking Rangers more established tag team, they get beat by Lashley, and MVP, who aren't really a team. I just think it's weird when these non-established teams win against the established tag teams. It uh, doesn't make the tag team division, or divisions in this case, with the men's and women's divisions, look as strong um, as they're supposed to. Because if singles wrestlers can be thrown together and just beat a tag team, what does that say about your tag teams, that that they're not very good. Um, and then something else that occurred on Raw um, that uh, I didn't necessarily like was there were two talk show segments. There was the peep show with, with Christian, um, and then there was the MVP lounge. And I think you gotta uh, keep it to one talk show a week. Um, and these were basically within an hour of each other. I believe the peep show was on that Uh, the end of the first hour and uh, beginning of the second hour, and then MVP Lounge was on at the beginning of the third hour. So it was just weird they had two uh, two, two, uh, talk show segments um, on this. So again, with Raw, this is a lot of formatting issues and um, confusion to... um, You're supposed to be building to a pay-per-view, but now uh, it's making the pay-per-view look a little less legitimate, um, and I'll talk more about Backlash when we get there, so we, we'll, we'll move on to, uh, uh SmackDown right now, because SmackDown was the other, uh, roster that was, uh, involved in with, uh, with Backlash, um, SmackDown, uh, this was, a an interesting show, to say the least, um, at the beginning of the show, um, there was the Jeff Hardy and Seamus segment with the urine test, the drug test. And uh, they kept cutting out the audio at the pissed on line. Like the crowd was chanting it and Jeff Hardy said it. I'm confused on like what's bad about this. Like, I don't know. Instead of, you know, it's Jeff Hardy did the old motto of it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. But they cut out the pissed on part. It's just, uh, it's weird. Like, I don't know. They don't, I guess they don't want to be promoting people getting urinated on. I don't, I just don't know why. Like to me, it's not a a swear and I'm a pretty, uh, buttoned up type of person where the things like this probably would bother me, but this didn't bother me at all. Like this is wrestling. We hear and see, uh, worse stuff on a weekly basis. Um, and my biggest issue with SmackDown, probably my biggest issue in the whole week was the Intercontinental Championship, uh, title match, um, not being the main event of SmackDown. This totally devalues the Intercontinental title. Um, this match was on, in the middle of the show, like, it literally spanned probably, like, 30 to 40 minutes in the middle of the show, um, And, uh, despite it being a great match, which I'll talk about in the What Drew Money segment, um, it really, um, baffled me why this wasn't the main event. First, it should have been on the pay-per-view, and wasn't. And second, why wasn't it the main event of this show? This was clearly probably the most important match of the, of the show, because all the other segments were building to something on the pay-per-view, so the pay-per-view would be the culmination. This match was a culmination of a tournament. Um, just doesn't make sense to me. Um, something else that doesn't make sense to me is... NXT uh, doing the same exact mixed tag match that they did last last week. Um, this was the Mia Yim... Um, Keith Lee, Candice LeRae, and Johnny Gargano match, why not just save it for this week? They did it last week. Why, why not just save that match for this week if you're going to do it? Um, the match last week with uh, Mia Yim and Candice LeRae's singles match finished in a double countout, so that was fine. There was a big brawl. And uh, leaving it that leaving it that way last week would have been fine. And then it uh, it makes one of the mixed tag teams uh, the matches they had this week and last week seem like a waste. Like why did they do that if they were gonna have a mixed tag last week and this week? They could have just saved the the mixed tag for this week, this previous week, and uh, not done it um, after the Mia Yim and Candice LeRae singles match, but that's another issue that I talked about last week where the, the WWE just wastes time where they do like a match, but then it leads to another segment right after it. That's like another match because, uh, two people came down or whatever it may be. Um, but it's just like weird. It's weird uh, weird writing. And typically, NXT has pretty good formatting, so it's that's odd. Um, another formatting issue on NXt is there's a lot of recaps. Now, this typically happens after uh, a takeover with NXT. so I was kind of expecting it. But now that they're on um, live television, uh, I don't think they should be doing these recaps as much. Um, maybe something short, but not for almost every single match on the pay-per-view show. Um, I know you want to keep people updated who didn't watch the pay-per-view, but to me it uh, kind of uh, devalues people who did watch the pay-per-view because it's like, yeah, we already saw all of this, so you're just like wasting time uh, catching people up for space that could be used to build new storylines. And then the other thing that bothered me on NXT was um, the situation with Dexter Loomis. So he got knocked out by... Or knocked down, I guess. Maybe not knocked out. But he got knocked down by one knee, and that hurts him. But a bunch of kicks that happened right after the match... Um and the same scenario happened a couple weeks ago where he's just getting kicked by multiple people. That doesn't affect him whatsoever. It's just weird, you know? Uh so like one knee takes him out, but a bunch of kicks don't. I don't know what the uh what the deal is with that. Um but I do know what the deal is with this podcast and what our next segment is. And let's move on to something more positive with the What Drew Money segment. continue talking about NXT in this What Drew Money segment, which are my favorite moments um, in these shows this week in wrestling. And uh, I was just talking about Dexter Loomis and being confused about um, him, his, you know, damage, uh, physical damage uh, rate or whatever you want to call it with him getting kneed knocks him out. But him getting kicked a bunch of times doesn't knock him out. Um... I did enjoy Dexter Loomis freaking out Roddy Strong the whole night. He was popping up and down during the Undisputed Era promo early in the show. Then there was uh, his drawing that he did in the locker room um, that Roddy found. And then he showed up in the window of the locker room and Roddy freaked out and ran away. I really like this mysterious character of Dexter Loomis. And I also really liked the end of the mixed tag match with Johnny Gargano rolling up Keith Lee, uh, after Keith Lee tried to help Candice LeRae. So I know I was complaining about being a mixed tag team match, which really for the most of the match, I was just like, why are they doing this? Blah, blah, blah. But I ended up like in the end of this match. Cause I was like, okay, you know, that's a, le- at least a clever end to the mixed tag team match. So the two mixed ta- team tag matches with all four of the same competitors, Mia Yim, Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano, and Candice LeRae from the past two weeks, had clever endings, um, despite me complaining about, you know, why uh, they were on the show and them necessarily at least, like, one of them being a, a waste of time. Um, I really liked Cameron Grimes this week. His shtick is funny. He's just this, like, overconfident goof. Um, and uh, I enjoy it. I, uh uh, originally didn't really like Cameron Grimes all that much, um, but he's doing a lot better, and he's just this, he's a good, funny character, and, uh, so, so are Breezango. Breezango is the same type of, uh, comedic character that can, uh, really prove it in the ring, so, yeah, they're funny outside the ring, but then they're a serious threat in the ring, and, uh, they had a video package this week on NXT, and it was good use of uh, clarifying what their characters are that like, yeah, they're these jokesters, but they, they can also, uh, wrestle real well and get wins and get it done in the ring. Um, the next thing on NXT that I want to talk about is, uh, Robert Stone. I think what's going on with him is pretty funny. Him being disheveled and looking even (laughs) like more and more, uh, worse every single, uh, segment and every single week is funny to me. Uh, and uh, not really a big fan of Robert Stone, or at least I wasn't, but uh, definitely becoming a bigger fan. Um, moving on, talking about uh, Finn Balor. I liked how he got his win back against Cameron, uh, Cameron Grimes, and then he addressed the camera about going after the North American title. This is really good with Finn. I think Finn is the perfect uh, opponent for Keith Lee at this point. I would have Finn win the the North American uh, Championship. Just keep building Finn Balor until the next big star beats him. So somebody like uh, a killer cross. Um, somebody like that to really, really um, get over the fact that uh, this person is a big-time superstar because they beat a big-time superstar. So I would... I would enjoy uh, Finn winning the North American title. It gives him a direction. It gives Keith Lee a direction. Because Keith Lee, at this point, has lost a lot of steam, a lot of momentum. And it's like, what do we do with him now, even as a, a North American champion? So now this gives uh, Lee and Finn both something to do. Um, and something that just popped in my head uh, about the uh, women's division with Raquel. Ra- Raquel. There we go. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai is I really like their Diesel and uh, Shawn Michaels kind of vibe. Raquel's, you know, the, 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 the heater, the brute, um, big brute bodyguard, whatever you want to call her, who can get it done in the ring. And Kai is kind of the coward uh, bad guy, smaller, um, who's more of an antagonizer and then uh, lets, the, lets the bigger bodyguard uh, back her up. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. It's something unique, um, especially for the women's division. Um, really uh, I really, really enjoyed the um, the reveal of the mass men. I thought it was just like a, a beautiful uh, production of way to do it. Um, Raul Mendez and uh, Joaquin Wilde, who were previously captured by these mass men. Were revealed to be in this group, and then Santos, uh, yeah, Santos Escobar is what they're calling him, who's the previous Fantasma, El Hijo de Fantasma. Uh, he's the leader of the group. This to me was very unexpected. I thought Drake Maverick was gonna turn and be behind the tax. I didn't expect um, Fantasma to be. Um, I didn't expect the unmaskings. This was definitely my favorite moment of the whole show. It really caught me off guard. And a lot of the time, NXT doesn't catch me off guard. They're not really a uh, like shock and awe type of show. They're more of a uh, meat and potatoes type of show. So this was an awesome, awesome segment. Um, Santos Escobar, the cruiserweight champion, and now he's a bad guy and he's got uh, a faction with him. Um, so it's a good... Uh, good use of um him coming into NXT and a good use to build up two newer superstars to become uh you know this force in NXT and this faction in NXT. So I look forward to seeing what they do um coming up on uh future episodes of NXT. And uh I really enjoyed the end of NXT this week. I thought it was brilliant production um, for all of the the complaints I have about WWE production in these podcasts. This was a great moment of production. Um, It was for um, setting up the next main storyline for the NXT championship. Um, This production of Killer Cross going after the NXT title was awesome. Um, The lights went out on Adam Cole posing after his match. Scarlett silently walked out, brings an hourglass turns it, and then the uh, sand is, you know, ticking down, um, and the camera shots from behind Scarlett on the stage, and then behind the hourglass looking at Cole, I just thought were really cool production elements showing the hourglass um, running and, you know, signaling that Killer Cross is going after the NXT title, and that Cole's time as NXT champion is possibly running out. I thought it was real, real cool, real good way to end NXT. Um, moving on to, uh, we'll go with, the SmackDown, because I don't have as much positive to say about SmackDown. Um, so we'll quickly get SmackDown out of the way. I did like that first segment with the, uh, drug test. Um, I thought it was unique. Uh, was it in poor taste? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Was it, It was a little funny, like, I don't know, I have question marks with my uh, notes here, like, you know, it was, was it Porte's? Was it funny? I don't know, it was definitely interesting, it got me reacting to it, and, you know, that's the point of wrestling, is to garner a reaction. And uh, this segment definitely did it, I enjoyed it, and uh, what I definitely enjoyed on SmackDown was the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan match for the Intercontinental title this was just an old-fashioned wrestling match, it was an instant classic, just like Michael Cole said, it was over 30 minutes, and I think it just, you know, this definitely should have been the main event of the show, and uh, it's a bummer that it wasn't, and I wish this match was on Backlash, too, I just don't know why it was in the spot it was in, but regardless of all that, the match itself was great, and, uh, to me, this was actually the best match of the week. It was even better than um, the greatest match ever with Edge and Orton. But uh, I'll talk more about that in uh, when we cover uh, the Backlash pay per view later on. So let's move on to Raw, and uh, I really like the start of Raw with Asuka and Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and the Iconics. Um, they kind of they bookended the show, which I like that type of formatting. Um, they started the show and then they ended the show together. Uh, I liked how, um, this storyline with Asuka and Charlotte was, uh, woven throughout the, the raw episode as well. Asuka slapped Charlotte in an interview. Um, and, uh, then it, uh, also, um, uh, led to the Charlotte and Asuka match at the end of the show um, because they had their little altercation after their tag match uh, at the beginning of the show just really well done pretty intricate um, writing it's really cool Um, a lot of the stuff on raw was actually uh, really really good lana had an interview naya came out at the end and got her spotlight so women got a lot of time probably about an hour of tv time which is a third of the show and that's that's a lot um, for WWE um, at any point in uh, in WWE, uh, especially you know nowadays with women getting more and more time, um, having about a third of the show. That's uh, that shows a lot of confidence in the women's division. Um, probably the my most favorite segment um, on Raw was the uh, Seth Rollins and Ray. Mysterio commentary interview. We've seen stuff like this before. It's usually like via satellite, like uh, they're interviewing a person from the commentary desk uh, via satellite. Like Michael Cole will interview somebody um, at another location, but this was a pretty unique presentation of that style um, and setup. Um, Seth came out, and uh, he he chats with Ray. And, uh, then all of a sudden Alistair Black came out of nowhere out of, out of frame and attacked Seth Rollins. This is a real surprising moment for you. didn't, definitely didn't see it coming. I was like, whoa, that was cool. Um, there was a short tag match and then Seth, uh, came back out to Rey Mysterio's music with Rey Mysterio's mask on. This was a great fluid segment, uh, story over a couple of segments, um, And a couple of uh, commercial breaks, which is really cool writing that I like. Usually, most of wrestling, especially WWE, is a story happens, segment ends, commercial. And then a new story uh, unfolds uh, over and over and over. Um, But with this, it was a a story that built upon each other through uh, a couple of different commercial breaks. With a couple of different... um, scenarios happening so i really enjoyed that i also really enjoyed the peep show with edge and randy and uh, christian you know these three are great performers it was a master class in uh emotional range and emotional vestment it's you know was uh heavy and deep and uh you know kind of aggravating uh, you know it was supposed to get edge fired up and then It was more of uh, a somber with Randy, what he's talking about, saying that, like, Edge doesn't have it, and it was just a a great, great segment, Um, and then, of course, I got to mention the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders, their segments have been hilarious. They did a decathlon this week, and it was funny, as always. And uh, these guys are just, you know, what they're doing with their segments is just hilarious. Um, But we'll talk more about the Street Profits and Viking Raiders when we get to Backlash. So let's move on to AEW and finish up this What Drew Drew Money segment. Um, Matt Jackson's promo, introducing the Young Bucks to FTR, was really good. Um, typically you don't get to hear the Young Bucks talk all that much. This was a, a short but passionate promo. Matt, uh, no, Nick, Nick Jackson started out talking. He was fine, but Mac really stole the show for me, um, uh, with, with this segment. And then, uh, also with AEW Dynamite, I liked the end of the women's tag match where Penelope B. Ford hit Sheeta- with the women's title and then uh, hitter finisher, which is a fisherman suplex and pins Sheeta and gets the win. You don't see this as much. This used to be something that was uh, very prevalent when I was growing up, especially in the Attitude Era. There would be a title shot to the head and then one, two, three, the match was over. You do not really get to see that as much. So I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that's you know that that is a uh, that's a way to finish a, a match and have the good guy lose and, uh, uh, make it in a, uh, schmozzy type of finish. So I thought that was really cool. And then I also liked John Moxley's promo and the parking lot brawl with Brian Cage. Um, I definitely like this a lot better than, uh, the parking lot brawl that, uh, match that was on NXT TakeOver in your house, uh, with Velveteen Dream and, uh, Adam Cole. This was actually, uh, much shorter, but um, it seemed pretty vicious, and um, I liked Cage's uh, um, ferociousness, and just Brian Cage is starting to grow on me, and I thought this was a good way to build him. Um, and uh, as we're building to the end of this podcast, uh, that'll do it for the What Drew Money segment, and now... We have to uh, talk about my overall rating and impression of the shows in the Redrew segment. If you've been listening to my previous podcasts, you know in this Redrew segment, I give my own rating. I don't do star ratings, grade ratings, number ratings, letter ratings, whatever you want to call it. Um, I give a own unique perspective uh, uh, for my ratings. And uh, we were just talking about AEW Dynamite, so let's give that rating first. Um, I'm giving that uh, AEW Dynamite episode this week the uh, rating of a field goal. So to me, not necessarily the desired result. There were m- moments that weren't really great, especially when I had to uh, had, uh, came to formatting. But it had some movement forward. So like that's what a field goal is. The uh, football team drives down the field. They want to get a touchdown, but they don't. The drive stalls, but they still get points with a field goal. That's what this show was for AEW Dynamite this week. Um, not necessarily the desired result. But uh, had some progression um, towards it. And so now we can talk about WWE for the rest of the show. Um, and we'll start with uh, Raw's overall rating. And uh, I'm giving Raw the rating this week of a double stuffed Oreo. This was uh, a packed filled show stacked with lots of good, um, sometimes gonna be a little too much of the same. Uh, sometimes, but, uh, overall it's good. That's what a double stuffed Oreo is. There is a, a, uh, it's packed with a lot. Um, so, you know, multiple stories building to the pay-per-view. Um, but sometimes it's a little, uh, too much of the same. So that's like same people on the multiple segments, like the whole last hour was filled with the same people from the first two hours, except for Nia Jax, um, so it was just like a, a little bit of, uh, of uh, overexposure for all of those people. Like, we'd already seen them on the, the last two hours of the show. And, um, or on the first two hours, I should say. All those people were on the first two hours of the show. And then for them to show up on the second hour of the show. It's a little too much, in my opinion. Um, uh, as for uh, uh, NXT... Uh, I think NXT had the best show of the week. Um, there were a couple of road bumps, a couple of hiccups. Um, but to me, this uh, episode of AEW... No, sorry, not AEW. The, this episode of NXT um, was a steamrolling um, because that's exactly what NXT did to its competition. It uh, ran over it. Um, I thought this was a way better episode of NXT than it was um, AEW Dynamite, and I'm usually not saying that, and NXT had a pretty solid week, other than a couple of, uh, weird formatting stuff, or just stuff that, like, didn't make sense, um, uh, when it came to uh, damage-wise, with somebody getting hit with one thing and not hurting them, but something else, uh, not hurting them, um, didn't really make sense, but this was a good show, I really enjoyed it overall, um smackdown i didn't really enjoy overall to me this was a one trick pony that's the rating i'm giving smackdown it really only had one thing going for it which was the intercontinental championship match and the rest was mm, not really that great um which is kind of a bummer because this is the last show the go home show before the backlash pay-per-view Um, so you would think it would be pretty solid, um, wanting to build to pay, build to the pay-per-view, um, but it really wasn't, um, and, uh, um, it at least had this Intercontinental title match, um, so that was really the saving grace of the episode, um, even though I would have wished the title match was on Backlash, it, uh, uh, it saved the Smackdown, so who knows, it could have been a terrible Smackdown if that, uh, Intercontinental title match wasn't there. Um, but, uh, we will move forward, and, uh, uh, even though SmackDown didn't really build well to the Backlash pay-per-view, uh, I think this podcast is built pretty well to the Backlash pay-per-view, uh, review that we're gonna do, and we're gonna do that in the Drews and Notes segment, because, uh, I took a lot of notes on this pay-per-view, and so, let's, uh, get to it. I'm afraid I've got some bad news! Backlash started out with the U.S. title match on the kickoff show. It was Apollo retaining against Andrade. This was a pretty standard match, not really much to talk about. So we're going to move right on to the main card, which began with the Women's Tag Titles match, which was a triple threat match between the Boss Hug Connection, Sasha Sasha Banks and Bayley, versus the Iconics of Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. And... Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Bliss Cross, although I don't think they uh, actually call them Bliss Cross. That's what I like to call them. Um, I enjoyed that there was the Bailey and Sasha Banks promo before the match. I like this interview style that happens before the entrance and then the music starts and the superstar uh, finishes their interview and walks out. Uh, I actually thought this Triple Threat tag match was pretty good. Um, it's, uh, it was interesting with this match because there was a, a match on Raw that was a triple threat, uh, tag team match, uh, with the women that started out Raw and that only had two competitors in the ring. And this one on the pay-per-view had three competitors in the ring. And, uh, sometimes these triple threat tag matches can be a little clunky. Um, but this one seemed to flow pretty well. Um, I liked how the bad guys won with the quick roll up and, stole the win, retaining the title, so Bailey and Sasha are still the women's tag team champions, and I just thought this was a solid way to start the show. Then the show moved on to uh, Braun Strowman arriving in his Buick again, um, that uh, apparently had its uh, windshield fixed, which would come up later, so that's why I'm mentioning it. The next match was Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. I enjoyed Sheamus yelling at Cole. He's been doing this the last few weeks. I thought that was really, coo- really cool. Um, and this match had a few clunky moments. So the previous match, the the triple threat tag title match, which I would expect to have clunky moments, didn't have that many. And the singles match here, where you expect not to have as many clunky moments, did. It was just there was a couple of uncomfortable moments and bumps that uh happened with Jeff just like I, it didn't look right I don't know if he did it on purpose um uh, if he did that's you know great acting and he did a great job a great performance there but it's just like really did make me uncomfortable like oh we should not have landed that way or oh that didn't look good like uh Seamus went to put Hardy on to prop him up on the top of the rope, and, a, and Hardy, it looked like, hit his foot on the ring post, which typically doesn't happen, and then there was another move that Sheamus did, where usually the guy lands on his back, and, uh, Hardy <laughs> fell, like, right on his face, which is definitely not good, um, and so it was just, like, kind of concerning, um, I don't know if these guys just didn't gel well together that night, or what happened, uh, the match was pretty much dominated by Sheamus. He probably got in at least like ninety five percent of the offense. Um, Jeff got in like a twist of fate and a swanton bomb. other than that, uh, uh, Sheamus won. I'm sure they'll they'll continue this storyline to get the Jeff Hardy the hero victory and end the storyline um, because of all the you know uh, social awareness of this storyline with Jeff being an addict and all of that. Um, so they're gonna have that that person triumph, um, but I enjoyed the way this match unfolded. I thought it was a good use of, of, uh, the storyline, how it's been building, and, uh, I'm assuming it's going to build to something, uh, even more later on, uh, maybe at the next pay-per-view at Extreme Rules or maybe even SummerSlam. Uh, we'll see. Um, after that match, there was a John Morrison uh, Miz, Kayla Braxton interview that was hyping their match for the universal title later. And then Otis and Mandy came by and was just warning them about the money in the bank briefcase. Should they win the match? Um, which it was, uh, which, you know, it was fine. Typical segment. Uh, the raw women's title was the next match on the show. This ended in a double count out. I don't really like that. Um, Nia dominated most of the match. This is another one where the story is going to continue, but uh, I don't like these types of finishes on uh, pay-per-views. You could have done something similar uh, like there was in the Sheamus-Jeff Hardy match. Have a conclusive finish, have a conclusive winner, and then uh, you can continue to build the story, you know, with the one person wanting revenge or whatever it is. If you're doing a dq finish or double count out um something like this a no count uh uh no contest where there's no winner whatsoever save that for raw or smackdown nxt don't don't put that on a pay-per-view that's kind of uh devaluing the pay-per-view like people uh pay money to watch this and then it's not fulfilled um Moving on to the MVP and Lana promo that was just hyping the WWE Championship match later. Um, that would come up later on uh, in the WWE title match, so I'll save that for then. Um, moving over to the over the other world title, or I should say the universal title, um, Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman. This started out with a, a hilarious music video that Miz and Morrison did. Um, but then the match was a, a little off. There was bad production in this match. A couple of times you could see Braun, uh, was selling, uh, uh, a hit, but he didn't get hit and the clearly like the, the camera clearly caught him not getting hit. Like there was a Miz totally missed Braun on a kick and, uh, they showed it like you could clearly see that Miz didn't even come close to kicking Braun. Um, then it happened in another moment where John Morrison totally missed a kick on Braun, and Braun sold it as well as if he got kicked. This is just something like weird directing or whatever. They didn't switch to the right cameras. I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Um, I did enjoy that the Miz pulled Morrison off of the pin uh, because Miz wanted to be champion instead of Morrison um, because they did the same type of... Um, uh stipulation uh that previously happened in a match with Braun Strowman where whoever pinned Braun would become the sole title holder and not uh not the team. Um so I thought that was a cool way to uh lead to the end of the match. Braun won. I was a little surprised there was no Bray Wyatt. Um I was expecting him to show up and have some sort of effect on the end of the match or at least at the uh, after the match ended. Um, but he didn't, um, so I guess that was just me and my own expectations being disappointed. After that, there was the AJ Styles and Kayla Braxton interview. This just hyped SmackDown, uh, having a celebration for AJ, uh, being the Intercontinental Champion. Um, so they did a little bit of building to another show, which is, um, partly what you're always supposed to do in wrestling. Um, so that was good. Then there was the WWE title match. Um, Drew McIntyre defending against Bobby Lashley. Bobby putting Drew on his shoulders and then running into the ring post. I really enjoyed, uh, Drew was kicking out at one on big time power moves again by, uh, by his opponent. Um, this happened a couple times and this is something that Drew has been doing every week, basically. Um, since wrestlemania and i think this is great because nobody else does that and then uh this had a good ending lana came out when she wasn't supposed to it cost bobby the match and uh this lana story has been slowly building i hope it's near its end um with what's going on where uh with her and bobby you know it started out ridiculous at the end of last year with her leaving Rusev and then getting married to Bobby Lashley and then they kind of weren't on TV for a little bit and then all of a sudden they're back on TV but then they're having issues or Bobby doesn't want Lana out at ringside so it's uh not the most intriguing storyline so I'm hoping it uh, ends relatively soon. The next segment I'm a little upset with it was the Raw Tag Team Titles match uh, with uh, the Street Profits defending against uh, the Viking Raiders. um, Or at least that's what it was announced to be the day of. So here's what happened. There was no announcement of this match. I expected it to probably be announced. It was announced um, on Sunday a few hours before the show. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Um, But then it didn't end up being a match it was just um like a typical fighting brawling segment um it was a pre -pre pre-produced video um that the viking raiders and uh street profits have been doing um recently so that was a little weird like why uh so they didn't promote a match and then they announce the match, promoting it a few hours before the show, uh, changing your expectations, and then it doesn't end up being a match. I just, it was a little weird. But um, I I would have rather just had it been a, a surprise segment on the show. Um, they could have done it the same exact way they did, where the un- announced team had the camera on them and then got interrupted. Just don't announce it as a match. I wanted it to be more of a surprise like oh what's going on here there's a fight breaking out and this was unexpected because um, we expected to see these guys on the show just in a match not in a brawl uh so it's another one of those scenarios where wwe's not uh paying off what they advertise um not necessarily as bad as the raw women's title where there was uh uh no winner um There's just no match. Um, So, you know, no winner, no match. Things are just kind of the same. That being said, this was a pretty funny segment. I really enjoyed this segment. I think it was probably my favorite part of the whole show. I've really been enjoying what uh, both of these teams have been doing. Um, Braun getting his windshield smashed again was funny. Um, The uh, golf clubs, bowling ball, shields, and axe spot was funny. Um... Angelo Dawkins and, uh, Eric going through the glass door was a, was a cool moment. Um, the, the Tazawa Akira Tazawa ninja, ninja spot was funny. The flashback spots were cool. Um, they were tying everything together that they had done previously in these, uh, flashback shots into what they're doing, uh, currently. But then the segment kind of just ends, um, with no real resolution, um, doesn't necessarily bother me because I'm, (laughs) I'm hoping at least that they're going to be more funny segments with these two, uh, with these two teams, but, uh, just a little weird, like the way it wasn't promoted, then it was promoted as a match, but it wasn't a match. I don't know. It was just a little weird. Um, but something that was heavily promoted, uh, as a match on the show was the greatest wrestling match ever. It was Randy Orton versus Edge. We all know this was taped ahead. Um, the announcers were shown clearly not calling the match in the background, but you could hear their their uh, voices over the match later on. So I don't know if Tom Phillips, Byron Saxon, and Samoa Joe were most likely just calling it... Um, Live on Sunday from their announce desk, um, but they were definitely not, <laughs> definitely not saying anything uh, in the shots that they were in. Um, they promoted that uh, there was enhanced audio in this match, but it really was just old crowd noise um, that was used. It was just like piped in audio, like WWE has been doing for years, WWE's piped in noise on, um, taped shows, tape segments, stuff like that. Um, and the audience was different. (laughs) They were wearing different shirts. So, you know, it was, you could tell it was taped beforehand, uh, before everything else in the show. And we already knew that. Um, but there were a couple of things that I did. Like, uh, I enjoyed the, uh, the, the Fink spot, the, the Howard Finkel spot with the MS, MSG mics coming down and Finkel announcing both Randy and Edge, which, you know, they have both been around long enough for Finkel to have probably announced them. And, you know, WWE found that uh, audio and uh, used it, which was really cool. I enjoyed Charles Robinson, who was the ref being in the old school referee outfit, the uh, blue button down with the bow tie. I thought that was a nice little touch, and I enjoyed the production of the overhead camera shots. Usually, we don't see these shots uh, unless it's like a ladders ma- a ladders match, a uh, or like um, like an elimination chamber match when they pick who's coming out of the pod next. I really enjoy this this uh, overhead view. It's kind of like a sky cam for football or you know sporting events. Uh, I think this should be used a little bit more often it gives another perspective and it's just an interesting look at what's going on in the match uh i loved how randy Orton used his punt to win the match he has not been using that for maybe 10 years at this point um it was probably like outlawed by vince mcmahon he couldn't use it but this it was a good way to end this match because they hit each other with like every single finisher uh uh they hit people with. Uh, they hit each other with other superstars' finishers. Like Randy used um, the Pedigree and the Angle Slam. Edge used the unprettier and the Rock Bottom, and it was just. Uh, and the Edge hit Randy with two Spears. Randy hit Edge with two RKO's. One of them was off the top rope. Just uh, uh, using the punt was a unique way to end the match um, because then it was just one move that was. Uh, and is in Orton's arsenal, and he he can pull out if he really really needs it. Um, to me, this was not the greatest match ever. Um, the non-live element of it automatically takes it out of the consideration for that for me. Um, being live and having an amazing match without being able to do redos or reshoots, um, which is what happened in this match, um, that's what makes uh, matches classics like uh, the Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match. There were no redos, reshoots. You know, um, it wasn't uh, 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 pre. There wasn't a lot of pre uh, or post production. I should say there was not a lot of post production to that. I think that was a better um, match. Really, this match, the first half of it kind of dragged for me, um, and I had heard that it was a long one, so I was kind of like you know waiting for it to pick up. It did eventually pick up when Edge and Randy started doing. Uh, all of the finishers, um, and it's a different way to do false finishes, because uh, a lot of wrestling nowadays, there's just, like, high spots all over the place, like, uh, crazy flipping, jumping moves, and those are false finishes, and uh, this this match, they did it differently, where they actually used finishes, and... Uh, or finishers I guess I should say they were using finishers of other superstars their own finishers and both of them just kept kicking out um, at the uh, uh, kept kicking out uh, out of the out of those finishers until eventually you know the end of the match with Randy Orton winning and using the punt um, apparently edge was injured and tore his tricep in this match so he's gonna be out a while Probably miss SummerSlam, which is uh, uh, a, a bummer uh, Because you know, he'd just come back and uh, It's uh, you know, I was looking forward to more of Edge um, I hope this is just I hope this is the end of the storyline regardless. Um it kind of made it seem like there was going to be another match probably at SummerSlam with Edge and Randy Orton. And they're both great, so I'm sure they would have sold me on it. Um, but I think this injury might be a blessing in disguise. Edge can return and uh, go after somebody else or have another, have a newer, fresher uh, feud with somebody he hasn't wrestled yet. You know, somebody like AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Kevin Owens. There's a whole. Uh, myriad of people that he could have a, a match with that um, you know doesn't need to revisit uh, Randy Orton anymore, um, and we can kind of just uh, move on from this storyline. Um, overall, this backlash pay per view, it wasn't anything amazing. They were all fine matches. Um, the Edge Randy Orton match made it feel a little bit more more special. Um, but the rest was pretty standard. It really just felt like a Monday Night Raw. Um, it was about three hours, like a Monday Night Raw. Um, so it just uh, it didn't necessarily deliver for me. Um, Pay per views are supposed to be a little bit more special. Um, and and other than that, Randy Orton Edge match. It just you know, uh, which I think was superseded by the uh, a match on weekly TV with AJ Styles and, uh, um, Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Championship on SmackDown. Um, so, you know, decent show, um, but nothing really spectacular. Um, so, uh, you know, it was all right. It was, uh, it it, it wasn't a waste of time, certainly. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything spectacular. It was kind of just like a throwaway pay-per-view. Um, I probably would recommend the Edge-Randy Orton match if somebody, if somebody asked me like, hey, what match should I watch from this pay-per-view? It would probably be that, but other than that, everything just seemed pretty standard, like the typical, uh, television shows, um, that, uh, that WWE usually has, um, and uh, this was a pretty uh, typical podcast that I had. Maybe it was a little more special because um, the formatting was a little different. But uh, if you uh, want to contact me or if I forgot anything or you want, uh, want me to talk about anything, you can reach out to me uh, uh, at DWOPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also on Gmail, which is DWOPod at gmail.com. So everything is DWOPod. This podcast is on all podcasting platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All you got to do is search uh, the Drew World Order podcasts. Um, leave a like, uh, a follow, subscribe, share, retweet, comment, review, email. Um, where it's applicable. Um, if you want to further support the podcast, you can click the support link on the SoundCloud page or the Anchor page. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I hope you enjoyed this week in wrestling. Uh, I hope you uh, are staying safe and uh, you're washing your hands. Uh, you're trying. You're stay, You're still social distancing and quarantining as much as possible. Um, so that we can hopefully get back to uh, being in arenas and watching live wrestling um, as soon as possible. Um, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll finish up here. I'll uh, uh, edit this podcast. I'll get it up um, and uh, I'll move on to uh, watching Raw and, uh, you know, repeating the process. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope your experience was Drew. Sweet.